Good morning, Calvary Chapel West Grove. How are you guys all doing? Good. Oh, man. I think one thing I love about being here just surrounded by the body and being able to worship the Lord is just being able to sing out. And especially being in the front during the service, I get to hear all of your guys' voices singing out in worship. And I had to try to control myself because I didn't want my voice to be exactly like Pastor Eric's coming up here. (laughs) But with that, I'm overjoyed to be here with you all this morning. So if you guys could turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be covering verses 12 through 17. And before we we dive into the word this morning, why don't we open up in another word of prayer? Lord, we are so thankful, God, that we can come here, that we can, Lord, see what your word has to say to us, Lord. We thank, Lord, we're so thankful that we can come as a body. We can worship together, Lord. We can come to glorify your name. What an amazing privilege, Lord, this is. Lord, I pray that we would never, Lord, take advantage of this moment, God. The way, Lord, that we get to come as a church, Lord, we literally get to see the words of life. And, Lord, we get to take part in it. And so, Lord, I pray even in this moment right now, Lord, any distractions, Lord, anything that is taking our attention away from your word, that right now, Lord, we would lay it at your feet, Lord, that you would be here speaking to us, Lord. Lord, you'd open our hearts to hear what you have to say. Open my heart, Lord, even now up here, God, that you would open my heart to see what your word has to say. And so, Lord, please speak to us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Alexander the Great, maybe someone you have heard of from history. He was the Macedonian ruler, known as one of history's greatest military minds. His vigor to conquer the known world was made known in him never losing a battle. You see, he established the largest empire the ancient world has ever seen, and he lived by the motto, there is nothing impossible to him who will try. Kobe Bryant, on a whole different side, as you could say, of the world and in history, a legendary NBA player known for his work ethic. Bryant would show up for 7 a.m. practices at five in the morning, outworking the NBA's best players. He was quoted saying, those times when you get up early, those times when you stay up late, when you are too tired, You don't want to push yourself, but you do it anyways. Kobe Bryant went on to play 20 seasons, became an 18-time All-Star, won five championships, and was third on the all-time scoring list, a Hall of Famer. Jeff Bezos, CEO and founder of Amazon, in the early days of Amazon, would work 12 hours a day, seven days a week, staying up until the late parts of the night, even till 3 a.m., just to make sure his books shipped on time. He worked relentlessly to grow his company, which grew into a juggernaut of a retail company that we all know today, becoming one of the most popular companies of our day and making him the richest man in the world. Now, I don't mention those three people for no reason, just to give us a little random fact of the day, but what is something that all three of these men have in common? They have a single 
minded focus. You see, people who make the greatest impacts in the world are those who have a single-minded focus to reaching their goals. Whether it be conquering the world, dominating a sport, or being the richest person, they are willing to make any sacrifice to achieve their goal. They will give anything of themselves in order to make sure that they are fixed on the prize ahead of them. Well, what we will see in the text this morning is the single-minded focus that was the same focus that Paul the Apostle had. And it is the same focus that he calls each and every single one of us to have in our Christian walks, a single-minded focus set on Christ. And with this kind of focus, with this single-minded focus, the world that we know today, a body of believers that have this same focus that are set on Christ, we could see this world turned upside down once again. And so let us look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 12, as we see this focus that he's talking about. It says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that you have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who, walks, who so walk as you have a pattern, or as you have us for a pattern. You see, Paul here, as he is describing in verse 12, not that I have already attained, he is referring back to what he had just previously spoken about in chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, as he spoke about all the things that he once had his focus on. All of the things in his past, trying to earn his own salvation, trying to become blameless before the law, all of the things that were once his focus now have become loss to the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Now that he is found in Christ, he has Christ's righteousness. He is being conformed to his death, and now he is being conformed to the resurrection of Christ. But Paul even states here, as we picked up in verse 12, not that I have already attained. Not that I'm already perfect. Paul was, was not perfect. He hadn't attained perfection in any way, but he longed for perfection. He longed to be like Christ. You see, Paul was aware of his imperfection, but awareness was not enough. He couldn't just recognize that he wasn't perfect. He couldn't just recognize the fact that he hadn't attained perfection, total conformity to Christ. But there, was, there must, there had to be a diligent pursuit of it. And that is why Paul says in verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. But I press on. And it is denoting pressing on. It's not just saying I press on once or I've tried to attain Christ once. It is saying, it is denoting continual effort. Effort until you achieve the desired goal. He continues to press on. And to press on in what? Is what verse 12 continues to say. But I press on 
that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. What this is saying is that Paul is pressing on for the very thing that Christ had saved him for. His very purpose. This purpose which he lays out for us in Romans 8 verse 29. When he says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. What was Paul saved for? What was the purpose? Now that Paul was in Christ, now that he had Christ's righteousness on, what was his aim? Where was he longing for? To be conformed to Christ. That was his purpose. That was what Paul was saved for, to be conformed. So he presses on in that, is what Paul is saying here. I I press on for the purpose to be conformed to Christ. And even as he continues in this, as he describes, he makes it even more clear in verse 13. He he says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, reassuring them. I, I don't have already, I haven't counted myself as already perfected. I haven't counted myself as already attaining, already being fully conformed to Christ. But here is my game plan for doing so, is what verse 13 is going to cover. I have not attained, but how do I become more like Christ? How do I become more conformed to his image? As it says in verse 13, but one thing I do. And let's let's recognize that, especially as Paul is talking about this right here. One thing I do. This was Paul's single focus. If we can place ourselves with Paul right now, this is the one thing that we are called to do. One thing I do, Paul says. Look what it says. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those which are ahead. Forget what lies behind reach forward or strain forward to what lies ahead. You see, maximum effort in any athletic endeavor requires concentration on a certain point ahead. You can ask any runner, or maybe you have even seen people as they run in races, a runner who looks back often loses, or a runner who looks back often stumbles. Nor does past accomplishments, past successes, guarantee that that runner is going to win that race. The past success does not guarantee future success. There must be a focus. The runner has to be concentrated on what is before him if he wants to win the prize. And so Paul encourages in the same way, forget what lies behind. You see, too often we, in our Christian lives, we can get so fixated on the past So much so that we never move forward into the future. We never move forward into what Christ has for each and every one of us because we are so fixated on the past in more than one way. It can be both in our successes and in our failures. We can get so fixated on the way that we have failed in the past that it keeps us from trying again. It keeps us from from doing those things and almost in a way it paralyzes us. We think in our minds, what if I try again? What if I fail? What if I go evangelizing again and they reject what I have to say? And it can cripple us. We can never move forward. We can never press on because we are crippled by that failure. Or in the other way, not just with failure, failure, but even with success. We live off the glory of the past, the the accomplishments that we had or attained. 
And we stop pressing on because of it. Oh, I used to be so zealous for Christ. I would wake up at five in the morning and and pray on my knees for three hours. Yeah, I used to do that in the past. That was something that I used to always do back when I had it all, back when I was zealous for Christ. And because of the glory, because of uh, of the satisfaction of our past success, we stop moving forward. We stop pressing on into what Christ has for us in the future. You see, with both of these, Paul says, forget what lies behind. Those past failures, they are in the past. Christ has something for you now. Those past successes, yes, they were good. But Christ has a future prize to behold. We got to forget what lies behind and we got to strain forward to what lies ahead. And straining forward, it, it speaks about like a straining of the muscles, like a stretching of the muscles to limits. And it, it gives, again, a visual of a runner. A visual of a runner as a, a runner would strain every muscle they have to reach that finish line. And we've all seen runners run. What happens when they come down to those last 100 yards? The finish line's right there. Those that are running around them, There is nothing deterring their attention. They are giving everything they have to finish that race. Well, Paul is saying the same thing for us. Forget what lies behind. Forget how far you have come. Strain forward. Give everything that you have for the prize. Give everything that you have in running this race. And it is even the image that is given in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. How do you do that? Forget what lies behind. Strain forward. Press on towards the goal for the prize. You see, these visuals, they hit extra home for me. I love running races. I've ran several Spartan races and and Tough Mudders, and they are exactly how they sound. They are tough. They are exhausting. Why I like to do them, I have no idea. (laughs) I think there's a part in me that just likes to torture myself in this way. But right in the middle of these races, a lot of times it can be easy to look back, right in the middle of the race, to look back as far as I have come and start thinking of the exhaustion I am feeling. Start thinking, Man, I've already come three miles. How am I going to go the next three miles? In that exhaustion, it starts catching up, and I start thinking of that. Now, the key in that very moment to finishing that race is not to look back. It's not even to look down to where I am at that current moment, like, wow, I've come far. The key to finishing is to looking at the end, straining forward towards the end. If I can just see that end If I can just see where I'm going, one foot in front of the other, one foot at a time, I can keep getting closer because I'm focused on that end goal and therefore I'm going to give everything I can to finish this race, to finish, to, to gain the prize. I don't think there's many prizes for those races, but we have a major prize in our Christian walks and it is the same idea here. We must press on in Christ. We cannot get relaxed. We don't look at, man, I have served the Lord for quite a long time. Or we don't, we don't look back to our past. We don't look into where we are at right now. We look at the end. We look. We want to be joined with Christ. 
And so, as verse 14 even describes even more, as we talk about forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, what is the prize that we look forward to? Verse 14 says it. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is the prize? As Paul describes, the call of God in Christ. Conformity to Christ. Our our purpose, our goal, our prize is to be like Christ. Christ is our finish line in a way. To be with him, to be like him. And you see, when we know our prize, that is what makes us strive. If our prize is great, if you're running for a race and it is just a participation race and you, just, you don't get anything in the end, you, you don't really strive that hard. But when you know the prize in the end will change everything about your life, you give everything you can to get that prize, right? You run in such a way that you may obtain it. It is your only focus. There is nothing else you are thinking about in that moment but gaining that prize, And that is exactly what Paul has already stated earlier in verse 8 of Philippians 3. He's already stated that Christ, all things, everything that he once strived for is, as he says in verse 8, rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ. Christ is the best. There is nothing else that compares to knowing him, to being like him. And so therefore, knowing that he is the prize, how can I not just give everything I have to obtaining it? Paul knew the prize and therefore he gives everything he has. It's even as he talks about to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 2.2, he says, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Christ is the prize. And so Christ is the single focus. Don't get comfortable. Don't get distracted. We are all running this race Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Let Christ be your single focus. We as people, we can so easily get distracted in all the things that there is in our Christianity. We can get so caught up in our freedoms that we never look to the fact that Christ is our goal. He's what we strive after above all things. Look to Christ. Strive after him with all that your life, with all of your life, everything that is in you. And Paul continues in this way, and he says in verse 15, Therefore, as many as are mature, have this mind. If in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. As many as mature, have this mind, is what Paul says. Paul almost like takes a step back after he's telling them, strive after Christ. Christ is more precious than anything that there is in this life. Strive after him. Make this your one and only goal. Make this your single focus. He takes a step back and he says, let those who are mature think this way. Now, I think what can be a common idea in our minds a lot of times is when we are in Christ or when we, have, when we see a new believer and we see someone zealous for the faith, someone who's passionate about Christ and, and just can't share enough, just can't, they, they want to be at church every single day of the week. And I think there's an idea that can come into our minds often is, oh, they're just new in the faith. They just have that new zeal. They'll, they'll get over this zeal once they mature a bit. Just wait, they, they will learn. 
And we almost think of it as it in a way having zeal for Christ, having this radical abandonment, a single focus is just youthful. And having maturity is actually just cold. Uh, having maturity is in that kind of worldly wisdom, not placing all of your eggs in one basket. Oh, they'll get over this. They'll get over the zeal that they have. Instead, we'll, we'll, they'll, they'll join us and they'll just kind of fit in with us and just kind of continue on as normal Christians. You see, remember back to even, maybe even our own lives. Remember when we had that zeal, that radical abandonment. We couldn't go to enough prayer meetings. We couldn't share with enough people. We, we wanted everyone to know about Christ. We wanted everyone to know about the joy that there was in Christ because we had experienced it for ourselves. We couldn't wait to tell others about it. If the church was open, we wanted to be there. If people were serving, we wanted to serve alongside them. We couldn't get enough of Christ. We wanted to know more of Christ. You see, that is exactly the problem. A lot of times our thinking can be, man, they'll get over it. But that is exactly the problem. We have gotten over it. You see, church, Christian maturity is not losing your zeal for the sake of growing up and fitting in. Christian maturity is growing in zeal at the expense of any other calling or any other image than that of Christ. Christian maturity is those who are zealous because you get it, that Christ is worth obtaining. He is the most precious thing in the world. You understand that Christ is worth giving everything for. That is Christian maturity. That is what Paul is calling us right here. Let those who are mature think this way. Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to that which lies ahead, pressing on towards the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Don't lose your zeal. Don't lose your focus. Believers, church here in this room right now, don't lose the zeal. Don't lose where we are headed. Focus on that end goal. Focus on Christ above all things. And it doesn't matter if people say, oh, you're just too radical. You, you just need to calm down a bit. No, you press on. You press on to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Press on towards the goal. Because as Paul says here, this is a sign of maturity. And just as he continues to talk about in verse 15, he says, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. If anyone thinks otherwise, there's no need to have to try to guilt trip people to join you in this as you have a zeal to try to be like, you have to come or anything like that. What this is talking about is God's going to reveal it. You press on. It's an appeal to humility in order for the congregation's unity here. You press on and let God reveal otherwise. People are going to think differently about you. Someone who is zealous for the faith, someone who loves Christ and wants to give everything of their lives for him, someone who has a single focus for Christ, people are going to think differently. They're going to have their own opinions. Don't get caught up in it. You press on in your life and you show your focus in your actions. That is what Paul is saying here if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. And as he continues on in verse 16, he says, Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Basically, keep living. 
Keep living for it. Keep to the path that you have been following. Press on. And to the degree that you have attained Christ, to, as you become more and my, more like Christ, as you focus on Christ and you strive towards Christ, don't lose out. Don't, don't stop all of a sudden. Oh, I've become a, a good enough Christian. No, keep striving. Keep to it is what Paul is saying. Hold true to it. And your pursuit, do not relax. There is no, I hit the point of being the super Christian. There is no super Christian. You keep pursuing. You don't relax in it. You hold true to it. And even with this, Paul encourages the the Philippian church here and he encourages all of us because you are not doing this alone. Look at what it says in verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Paul tells the Philippians to follow his example. Not because he has achieved perfection, not because he is, but because actually he is struggling in the same race that they are running. You see, if Paul had been perfect, he would not have been an example for believers to be able to follow. But because he went through the same failures they had, the same mistakes, and yet he kept pressing on, He kept going full force into Christ, still striving after the goal of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. For that fact, he says, imitate me. Look to me. Look how I have focused on Christ and you follow my example is what he says here in verse 17. But he doesn't just stop with himself. Look what it says. And note those who so walk. Note those who so walk. This reminds me of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, when it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what cloud of witnesses are these? Well, he's referring to Hebrews 11, where he's talking about all these people that had faith, all these people that continued in their faith through persecution, through trials, through tribulations. They continued on. They strived after Christ. And since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin and let us run with endurance the race that is before us. Let us run as they run. But not just only does this apply to Hebrews 11. Let us run as those examples even in our own lives. Let us look to their walks. I think of guys like Chuck Smith, Billy Graham, R.C. Sproul. Guys who ran well and in our very lifetime were the guys who finished the race. They kept running. They kept pursuing. We look to guys like that who finished well. And that is an example for us to follow. They are guys that we can look to and be like, just as they did it in our lifetime, just as they finished well, we can continue striving forward. But not only guys like that, I think of guys even in the, in the past, guys that we read about, guys like Spurgeon, in his single focus on Christ, he preached 13 sermons a week. He founded orphanages, established a pastor's college because Christ was his goal. He's an example that we are to follow. But even in our lives right now, especially as we are in the church, we can even look to those that are around us striving. Brothers and sisters in the faith that are pressing on towards the goal. We all know those people. 
We all see them. A lot of us are, are friends with those people. Even you could probably look to the left and to the right right now at people that you know, man, they are striving after Christ. Everything that, that Paul is talking about here, they, they are going full force towards that emprise. We all know those people. You see, my greatest times of growth are when I am around those stronger than me more passionate than me, more disciplined than me, wiser than me, whose prayer lives are better than mine. And in that, I press on. When those people are surrounding me, looking to their example and pursuing Christ as motivation to keep pressing on myself, I love surrounding myself with people like that. Because as I see their example, and I, as I gather around them and fellowship with them, I can continue striving. They, they press me on to continue striving after Christ. And you see, church, that is why we gather here this morning. All of us, every single one of us, that's why we gather here this Sunday morning. That's why we gather on Wednesdays. That's why we come and why we are the church all together. This is the point of the church, is to help each other press on towards Christ. We need to be doing that as a church. We need to be looking to one another to be helping each other press on, to be focused towards the goal. Yes, this life is going to have comforts. This life is going to have distractions. Don't get caught up in those. It's not just about, you don't just come here to hear someone up here preaching the gospel or preaching the word. Yes, that is a very sweet thing that we get to look at the word together. But you as a church are here to press one another on forward. To keep one another striving after Christ with everything that is in you. When there's a moment of weakness, you can come beside each other, pick each other up, and, and focus us back on the goal. That is what it means to be a church. Are those that are around you helping you run? Are those that are around you, are the friends that you have, are they helping you run? Because this is what Paul is talking about here Note those who so walk as you have a pattern for us. You're not running alone. You're not having this single focus alone. I feel like a lot of times when we, when we think of having a single focus, when we think of striving, we think of doing it by ourselves. But that is not the case. We are running and we have those that are around us that are running with us and we are striving together, helping each other press on. Are those that are around you helping you run? Or better yet, is your life an example of imitation to those that are around you? Do people look to your life and say, that person, he is or she is striving after Christ, giving their all to know Christ? Live your life with a single focus, with all those that are around you, with all those who have gone before you, with Christ in you, Press on towards Christ. That is how you live a life that is not wasted. Look to Christ. Strive after Christ. And let me hit this just with one final point. One to end with a story of one who did press on. A man by the name of C.T. Studd. Maybe you have heard of him. Maybe you haven't. C.T. Studd was a wealthy English athlete. Upon coming to faith in Christ, he sold all of his possessions and went off to China to share the gospel with the unreached people there. And after 10 years of laboring in China, a very long, very good missionary journey, 
He returned home to England with his wife and four children. Very well could have stated, man, he, he's done his work. He's become, a, he, he was a missionary. He's given his all. But no, because long a, not long after returning home from China, yet again burdened with the gospel to go and reach the unreached of the world, he sailed off once again, this time to India to share with the unreached people there. Now, after many years of ministry in India, he returned home once again, now much older in age. And while many of his friends and people that he knew and people just around him pursued retirement at his age, C.T. Studd, once again burdened with Christ, wanting to pursue Christ above all things, set off once again, risking his life to reach the unreached people of Central Africa where he would eventually die after many years of service to the Lord. Upon his drive, upon his single focus to see the world reached with the gospel, C.T. Studd composed a poem which exemplified his life. A poem maybe many of us have heard, maybe not. The title of it is this. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Just as we spoke about in the very beginning of our time together, while world rulers, sports accomplishments, wealth, all of that will fade with time, C.T. Studd lived his life with a single focus on Christ, which, which made for an eternal impact, something that will never fade away because Christ was worthy of it. What will you do with your life? You're going to get caught in the comforts, get caught in everything else that there is in this world, or are you going to live your life with a single focus like C.T. Studd? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the examples there are in your word of people, Lord, to follow. Lord, when we read of the words of Paul, Lord, when we see his single focus, Lord, how can we live any other way? How can we not give you everything? Lord, if these words are true, and we know that they are, Lord, you are worthy. How, how can we not give our entire lives to you, God? If you are more precious than anything else there is in this world, Lord, then how can you not be the focus of our, of our hearts, the focus of our minds? Lord, I pray even now, God, for any of us in this room, Lord, any of us that need a refocusing in this time, any of us that need to refocus on you, Lord, to see the purpose of life, to see the things which will really matter, to see where an eternal impact will actually be made. Lord, I pray that you would refocus us even now. Lord, that you would work in our hearts, God. That you would make us men and women, Lord, that desire you above all things, that strive after you above all things. Lord, that we would truly live, Lord, just as was quoted in the poem, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Lord, that we would live with an eternal focus, God. Lord, move in us even now. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.
Amen. And if any of you guys here this morning, if, if you need that refocusing, if you have not been striving after Christ, leaving behind the things of the past and looking forward to the things of Christ, it is never too late. You can do that right now, right where you're sitting. Just call out to God. That's it. Pray, Lord, I, I want to give you my life. And if you need prayer, we have the prayer room right to the right where you can come and ask for prayer and we can, we can pray with you and that the Lord would move in your hearts to, to strive after him with everything. So with that, let's, let's stand for our last song of worship. <laughs>